This episode may contain explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. This is part one of a two-part special episode. As November is Native American Heritage Month, we here at Third Paradigm felt it would be just to give additional time to our Native American brothers and sisters. We strive to give a platform for all those who feel unheard. But for this special episode, we decided to split it into two parts. Thank you for listening to Third Paradigm. We release episodes every Saturday. Welcome to Third Paradigm. We are your hosts, Clarity and Nuance. Third Paradigm is a digital third place, which is where people practice the art of conversation. The host and guests come from all backgrounds and different ways of thinking. We here at Third Paradigm will discuss ideas and the facts of life with respect to while pushing the envelope. Full disclaimer, hosts and guests will share their opinions. The opinions of our guests are strictly their own and do not represent the opinions of Third Paradigm. However, when we the hosts share facts, we will back them up with evidence. If we are wrong, we will make it right as soon as possible because we believe in practicing integrity. Welcome to Third Paradigm. So what's the topic, uh, Clarity? The topic for the, today's episode is um, being it National Native American Heritage Month, we will be discussing America through the eyes of our indigenous people. Oh, wonderful. You, you know what? I came across this information that um, this holiday, it started at the turn of the century as an effort to gain a day of recognition for the significant contributions to the first Americans made to the establishment and the growth of the United States and has resulted in the whole month being designated for that purpose. One of the very proponents of an American Indian Day was Dr. Arthur C. Parker, a Seneca Indian who was the director of the Museum of Arts and Science in Rochester, New York. He persuaded the Boy Scouts of America to set aside a day for the first Americans, and for three years they adopted such a day. And in 1915, the annual Congress of the American Indian Association meeting in Lawrence, Kansas, formally approved a plan concerning American Indian Day. It was di- it directed its president, Reverend Sherman College, or Coolidge rather, an Apache or Araparo, if I'm sorry if I mispronounced it, to call upon, ah, thank you to call upon the country to observe such a day. Coolidge issued a proclamation on September 28th, 1915, which declared the second Saturday of each May as an American Indian Day and contained the first formal appeal for recognition of Indians as citizens. The year before this proclamation, was issued, Red Fox James, a Blackfoot Indian, rode horseback from state to state seeking approval for the day to honor Indians. In December 14, 1915, he presented the endorsement of 24 state governments to the White House. There is no record, however, of such a national day being proclaimed. The first American Indian Day in a state was declared on the second Saturday in May 1916 by the governor of New York. Several states celebrated the fourth Friday in September. 
In Illinois, for example, legislators enacted such a day in 1919. Presently, several states have designated Columbus Day as Indigenous Peoples Day, but it continues to be a day we observe without any recognition as a national legal holiday. In 1990, President George H.W. Bush approved a joint resolution designating November 1990 National American Indian Heritage Month. Similar proclamations under variants on the same name, including Native American Heritage Month and National American Indian and Alaska Native Heritage Month, have been issued each year since 1994. That is incredible. As a lot of really good information out there because it always feels that um, when it comes to the different communities here in our country, it always feels that Native American communities and indigenous communities are almost fantasized, especially in film, movies, TV, and media where it's like, <laughs> it's not a right. So we wanted to give uh, an opportunity here at Third Paradigm to have a discussion with people of the indigenous communities. Yes, yes. So uh, we have wonderful guests here today. Yep, we have our wonderful guests here today. We have, it looks like we have Kelly on here. We have Anthony on here, Elizabeth, and we have Amber on here. Welcome. Hello. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Hey, for and thank you for coming. Thank you. Uh, all right, so I guess since last time you got to do the icebreaker, I get to the icebreaker this time. Yep. You get to right. you want to do the icebreaker? Yep. So, yep, this is the icebreaker question. Um, it's a very controversial question. <laughs> since, since this is the month of November and everybody's going to be doing a dinner um, on a controversial holiday, Thanksgiving holiday, even though some people still just like to celebrate the spirit of giving thanks for what they have, especially in this uh, pandemic. Uh, which dessert is best? Pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? <laughs> Elizabeth here, I prefer pumpkin. Trick question, they both suck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kelly, this is Kelly here. Uh, I guess I think pumpkin. So, so why, why does they both suck? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like to enjoy either one, you have to have more whipped cream on the bite than anything else. And if that's the case, I could just eat whipped cream, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for the people who said pumpkin, why pumpkin? Amber, um, speaking. I, pumpkin is actually the only pie I like. I don't like any other pie. So. Huh. Uh, I do not like a lot of whipped cream. <laughs> oh, for the, Amber, it's for the pumpkin pie. Oh, pumpkin, okay. Okay. Yes. So nobody likes sweet potato pie? I didn't grow up, this is Kelly, I didn't grow up eating sweet potato pie. I only grew up eating pumpkin pie. So um, it's not something that I'm too familiar with. Mm. Maybe for the mm. I can give it a chance and try it out. Hmm. Maybe that's a, just a cultural difference. Okay. Okay. Understood. 
Yeah, I definitely think it is a cultural difference because I think on the reservations and stuff like that, I don't know too many Indians that, that make sweet potato pie, at least where, around where I'm from. Uh, a lot of us do pumpkin pie or I know a lot of natives like uh, lemon meringue pie too, so. Interesting. That must be a cultural thing because I know, here's a random fun fact I literally just learned all a couple years ago. Um, in Detroit and within more closer to the black communities, when you go to McDonald's out in the suburbs and in the black communities, they're very different of what pies they serve. Out in the, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, the out in the suburbs, it tends to be more that that holiday pie, I believe, is like a sugar cookie flavored. And then down it more closer to like the black community, it's actually more uh, sweet potato. Definitely have seen that too. Yeah, yeah. So you might be right. It might be a, a cultural difference. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Alrighty, so thank you all for your input. I thought that would be more of a fight, actually. <laughs> in different communities, in different communities, it's like, no, sweet potato, no, pumpkin, but, you know, hey. Live and learn. All right. So, uh, Clarity, you up for the first question? Yep, I am ready for the first question. So, with the first question that we have, um, what tribe or tribes and communities are you affiliated with? And please announce your name first before you answer, and each question will be roughly about five minutes total. Do you have an idea who you want to go first? I think it'd be, it might be easier if you ask a person. Yeah, it's <laughs> open panel. Um, but if you want to go first, Kelly, you're welcome to. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, uh, okay, relatives. Uh, what, put me on the spot? No, please. Uh, so my name is Kelly. Um, I, I'm from Amskapipikani, uh, Blackfoot and Chippewa Cree from Montana. Um, my people are from uh, Blackfoot Nation um, in Montana as well as in Canada. Um, but I am a part of what is called the uh, Relocation Act. The Federal Relocation Act is another form of termination. And so my folks got relocated to Oakland, California um, in the 60s. And so I grew up in the Bay Area. I grew up in Oakland, between Oakland and Alameda, California. Oh, wow. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow, that is very yeah, so I'm what you call an urban native. Urban native. Yes, 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 yes. And you'll and and there's a lot of urban natives and then rural natives or like natives that grew up on the reservation. Um, I'm still really closely tied to my folks back on the reservation, um, but I just I didn't quite grow up on grow up there. Oh wow! Thank you for sharing that. Um, let's see. Let's go down the list. Uh, Anthony. Hey. So. Um... My father is what you would call now, after centuries of displacement and slavery, uh, we call it Cherokee and Black. But I refer myself as a displaced Hebrew Israelite of the tribe of Judah because my father and his fathers all the way back are Black African-American men who were taken from the slave coast in Ghana that uh, those colonized referred to as Judah and brought over to this country. And um, yeah, so that's where our background is from. The other half is uh, my mother, who's Mexican, who's also uh, from this place, uh, Hebrew people, which I feel like we don't really get to talk about uh, these days. 
Wow, thank you for sharing that. Elizabeth? I'm going to have to talk to him because that was very, um, yeah, we have to catch up. This is Elizabeth. I am a suicide prevention program manager at American Indian Health and Family Services. Uh, that's an urban community and um, medical clinic in southwest Detroit. Um, I hail from the Apsaluga or Crow tribe, Whistling Water Clan, also out of Montana. Fantastic. And Amber? Um, on my mother's side, I come from uh, Muscalero Apache, which is Muscalero, uh, New Mexico, that area. On my father's side, it's um, Cherokee. So I don't know very much about my family. I know more about my mother's side than I do my father's side. So That's fine. Thank you all I, for sharing. Yeah. Okay. I know that my great-great-grandmother, she was, um, from what we were told, that she is a uh, chief's daughter. So, But that's all we know, mostly, about her family. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Noah, you ready? Yep. All right. So question number two. What are your feelings about the terms Native American versus Indian versus indigenous people slash tribes? Uh, we'll stick with the politically correct terms. <laughs> and we can probably go down the list if it makes it easier. So we can start off with the answers with, uh, let's say, Elizabeth, what do you think? So at my agency a few years ago, um, there was a poll taken, and I think the difference would be Indian, that term is what is written in the treaties with the United States government, so that's more of like a political terminology, and if you're talking to a person, um, you're usually going to hear that they just say that they're native unless they actually give their tribe instead of being general with, hey, I'm Elizabeth, and I'm black, white, and native, or Elizabeth, black, white, crow, ancestrally, Taino, or Taina. Fantastic. Um, and please feel free to respond like if any of the terms are offensive, because I've heard myself that Native American can kind of be offensive, like Indian can, even though I'm familiar with Indian being what um, is government. And I've always wondered if indigenous is proper or um, any other form is more proper. Um, next. Yeah, it's pretty, 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 pretty open. Um, let's call on Anthony. What do you think? Yeah, so I like to defer to indigenous peoples when talking about like a uh, like people native to like these colonies up here and in South America and in like Australia. Um, I think that Indians can be confusing. So when people say like the word Indian in conversation to me, I always ask them to clarify uh, because you know it can be used in a bunch of different ways, you know, people from the West Indies or people who are Native Americans, Indigenous Americans, or people from the country of India today. So um, I think, like, they can all mean the same thing, but I think it's better to use uh, Indigenous people or Native Americans just to also, like, let people know who established, you know, this country before it was from over and colonized, you know. Thank, thank, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, uh, that very detailed answer. Um, how about Kelly? What, what do you prefer? 
Yeah, I like the answers so far that people have given. Um, so here's my thing. It depends on who I'm with. Um, if I'm around other natives, I use native and Indian interchangeably. Uh, we ourselves uh, refer to each other, at least within the communities that I know, um, the native communities in um, California and back home. We can, we like when joking, we can refer to ourselves as Indians. Um, or, or Native, right? I grew up calling myself um, Native American and nobody really talked to me about it. Um, but since uh, being in academia and, and looking more deeply within the discourse of the terms Native American and the terms Indian and getting more of like a historical understanding, um, I prefer the word indigenous with people that are outside of my um, cultural group. So uh, in terms of like being with you folks, I'll refer to myself as native, but like I'll use it like indigenous as well. Could you give a little more information about what you mean? the historical context of Native American, because I know about the, I think everybody knows about the one with Indian and how they were aiming for India, but they ended up over here. But with Native Americans, what is the, what is the history behind that and why it, you know, it's inaccurate? Yeah, so um, I'm trying to think of the book that I have seen, just Ronald Takaki writes in his book, A Different Mirror, and he gives the history of the Irish coming in from the uh, East Coast, coming from Ireland, right? And there are generations of Irish folks that are coming here and they're settling. And um, and so, what, and I don't know if you guys seen Gangs of New York, right? So like, think of Gangs of New York and how the Irish people, um, the, the Irish men that are there before the new Irish people are coming, those guys will refer to themselves as Native Americans. Like, they are the Natives. You know what I mean? Um, and so once I read that, I was like, oh, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so there's, it's, it's a... Um, it's a term that was used to identify having rights to the land, even though they weren't from here. I see. And it was also to differentiate the new Irish from the old Irish. And it's yes. like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you for the education. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I think we have Amber left. Yes. Um, with the communities that I talked to among the, the Apache communities, they mostly don't like the word Indian. They go with either native or indigenous. I personally say indigenous. Um, that's just my opinion. Oh, absolutely. My preference. Well, thank you all for sharing that. Um, we'll move on to the next question. Um, and let's start off by channeling this question to, let's say, Anthony. And then we'll open up to everyone else. Uh, describe your childhood. Did you have any challenges with being a member of an indigenous community? Oh yeah, definitely, man. Like, look, being black is hard enough with having your whole ethnic identity erased. Then you've got being, you know, multiracial on top of that. So it can be hard to fit in with like Hispanic kids in school. Now I went to a predominantly Hispanic school. Uh, I'm from Detroit, which is the blackest major city in America. So. I'm also like light skinned, so it 
it was pretty hard to like fit into a particular group because you're not like you, know, you can't speak Spanish as well as the Latino kids. Um, you're not as dark as the um, you know as the other black kids that you hang around or that you want to hang around. And then as far as being native, I didn't even get in touch with like my native people on that side until I ran into the American Indian Health and Family Services uh, in Southwest Detroit. They were having a mental health awareness day when I was in seventh grade. And I was walking by there and uh, I lived right around the corner at the time, had never known about this place. I brought all my siblings in there and then they got us all signed up for the Dream Seekers Youth Group. And it, it was like life changing, man. Like it, that was the easiest community to ever get like involved in and that was before I even knew like how native I was they had accepted me um you know just off like uh, off me walking in and then when I you know um asked my dad about it uh which you know had been a conversation we had uh you know long prior to going to AIHFS where we abbreviated as um he had told me we were Cherokee a long time ago and thought it would be a really cool thing for us to get more involved with like that side of our of our blood and I mean, like, it's something that I'd like my kids to do. My brother still does it. He's still in the program. Uh, they were able to, like, take us all, all around the country to, like, you know, different um, reser reservations. Uh, we went to the University of Portland and met, met a bunch of natives, like, on the West Coast. And it was something that, like, me as a kid from Detroit had never knew. Uh, one, that so many natives look like me um, and are, like, you know, full 100% native. I thought that was awesome to see. And, like, they look like my dad. They look like my grandfather. Like, they come in so many different shapes and sizes, you wouldn't even know because this part of you has just been erased from, like, the whole media and from your whole life. So, like, I, I really got them to thank for this whole thing. Uh, if any of them hear that, like, that, what they do is really, like, irreplaceable for, like, young black and young Native kids in the community who uh, are looking for that side. That is wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. We're yeah. going to make sure we provide the link for the, the organization in the description box to kind of help spread more of that awareness and more of that exposure for this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's so funny how some things are just right around the corner under your nose the whole time. Exactly. Um, uh, let's channel that one also to Amber. What do you, how do you feel? Uh, yeah, I had some challenges growing up. I actually was made fun of for being Native or indigenous. Um, I got called a uh, Indian princess a lot and that sort of thing. And it was really tough going through school, kind of not knowing where you belong and people making fun of you because you finally find out where you belong and they make you feel like you don't belong. Wow. I'm sorry about that. That has to be very difficult trying to figure out like it, it almost feels like some level like it, it almost feels like an almost like an orphaning you don't fit so much in this group and you don't fit in this group and then it's like both sides are constantly reminding you like you don't totally fit in our group right i'm not all the way white and then i'm not all the way indigenous and it's just like where do i belong type of thing and getting uh. in front of because you're trying to tap into a side of you that you don't know very well you know yeah. That's what looks tough for me. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. So, let's see, we got Kelly. Yeah, can you repeat the question one more time, please? Absolutely. Uh, so describe your childhood. Did you have any challenges with being a member of an indigenous community? 
Um, did I have any challenges being involved in the indigenous community? No, I didn't. Um, and I don't take that lightly, right? Like, I know that that's a privilege. Um, I grew up going to, like, the Native American Health Center summer youth programs and stuff. Um, but, like, outside of the Native community, nobody really knew I was Native. Um, everybody thought I was, like, Latinx descent. Um, but then I didn't speak Spanish, so then I ended up being this, like, anomaly, <laughs> you know? Like, nobody can, nobody, like, knows what I am. Like, every now and then I'd get, like, white or Asian. Um, but, like, there's this, there's this, um, what is the, what am I trying to say? Like, there's this obsession with, like, in America of, like, trying to racialize somebody, you know? Versus, like, accepting them for who they are. So, like, um... I didn't have any issues. My grandma was very involved in the um, Native uh, American Indian movement and the, um, like during the 60s and 70s um, in the Bay Area. She was very involved with getting the, um, the urban Native centers uh, going here. So I kind of had this, I was really grateful and like very privileged in that sense to have this um, lineage uh connected you know all i have to do is tell somebody like oh this is my grandma and they're like oh hey you know um but outside of that community um i very much was alone um there weren't too many other natives that i went to school with um so i have like a really diverse group of friends outside of the native community that's fantastic and it looks like we just have elizabeth left so um like Anthony, everything he said, uh, being like multiracial. I grew up in West Virginia too, so there wasn't any community for me like that and went to Catholic school. So I was always the other. Everyone else was pretty much homogenous. So I felt very um, disconnected from any culture actually. Um, it wasn't until moving to Detroit in 2002, I think it was, um, it took like 10 years before I even knew that there were um, Native community centers. And I started taking my daughters to the Dream Seekers, and that's where I was actually able to connect. Um, even though it's not my tribe, um, we're here in the Three Fires territory, um, but it gave me something. It gave my daughter something, and even my husband, who's Ashkenazi Jew. Um, and just like Anthony said, giving our youth the opportunity to travel across the country where one conference, my oldest daughter, Carmen, um, went to a nation building for native youth conference and one of the kids totally accepted her. They thought she was um, pure blood, in fact. Her father's African-American. Um, I think it's so important to be able to connect with what you can and even though it was a disadvantage growing up, um, at least there's a redemption story somewhere along the way. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that one. And thank you all of you for being open um, and very comfortable with being vulnerable on the show. Thank you so much. That's yeah. the point of the show. Thank so, you. So now are you ready to move on to the next one? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, honestly. And um, um, it saddens me that you, you all have been treated this way. And I was going to say the hilarious thing is, even though you may all be a mixture, that native blood is there. And it's like, this is this is yours. <laughs> so yeah, it's like yeah. to be treated <laughs> this way in your own home is just like the irony. But um, 
So the next question is, how do you feel about representation of indigenous people in Hollywood films and TV, such as Disney's Pocahontas or Brother Bear or Moana or Dance of the Wolves? Um, and then this other question is, do you feel that um, quote-unquote native characters, as they call them, or indigenous characters should be casted by indigenous people? Why or not? And we'll start with Kelly. Yeah, I, I also want to thank the other participants for their vulnerability and stuff. Um, it's it's not easy talking about. One thing I forgot to add to my answer, my last question is, did I always accept, did I want to be a part of the Native community was the problem. Like, growing up, it wasn't cool being Native, you know? Um, and so kind of connecting that to this question, um, I think the representation um, of, of Indigenous folks um, it's very incorrect. Um, it's very wrong. You know, I can I can think of um, plenty of shows and movies um, in which like why can't they just cast the native character? <laughs> like it, it's really an ongoing joke. You know, like oh, do you think they got a native character this time? You know, I mean, there's this one show I can't remember what it's called, but Lou Diamond Phillips plays a native guy. And we're like, honestly, like you couldn't get one native person to play him, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. And I think there's a, a big uh, piece of me that's really apathetic to it. Um, growing up, I was obsessed with Pocahontas. And I think my parents were like, you know what? You can have Pocahontas because she's the one thing you get to have. Let's not let's not ruin the story of Pocahontas for her quite yet. You know, <laughs> you know. So Pocahontas is like Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. They're like, let's not ruin it for her. Like, let her have her. Let her have her. You know, and you know, to this day, my cousin he got me a brush that has Pocahontas on it because he loves me. Um, <laughs> one of my cousins got it for me for Christmas last year, you know? So, yeah, it's, I think it's very, it's very incorrect, very wrong. Um, and I think that there's this lack of, um, Hollywood has this idea of what a native is, and they only want that. They don't want to look at how far we've come. They don't want to look at what we look like today. Um, they want to keep us very archaic and very, um, and very what they want us to look like, you know. I know a lot of Native actors um, that are light-skinned and they don't get much work because they don't look the way Hollywood wants them to look. And so this kind of ties back to what I was talking about, like America having this obsession to racialize people, you know, regardless of, of their ethnicity, you know. Um, yeah. Well, okay, okay. So, Native American people have a reverse colorism issue. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> it's true. You don't love me something right through the night. <laughs> I mean, here's, here's a fun fact. You don't learn today. Yeah, I mean, I can understand, like, here's a fun fact from some of our, our friends from uh, roundtables we've had with Asian communities. When Hollywood casts a character that's supposed to be of an Asian descent, they do tend, they tend to do two things. Either they cast usually an East Asian, which a lot of people keep forgetting. There's Southeast Asia, South Asia, many other parts of Asia. 
because when Americans think of an Asian, it's always the Chinese, Japanese, Korean. And there are comedians who are Asian who have actually made fun of this. Or they completely skip the Asian altogether and they just completely go all out and cast a white person. <laughs> like there's a movie that came out a couple years ago where it was about a, I believe it was a Filipino guy who went to poker tournament, I think it's called 24. And the guy is a real person. And instead of casting an Asian or Filipino or somebody to, for playing that role, they cast a white British man mm. for that role. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to kind of, interesting and heartbreaking, like interesting is not really the great word, but it's really it's heartbreaking to just not really see the true representation of what our, the whole of our community, right, like whether they're Afro-Indigenous, whether they're white passing, or, you know, traditional red-skinned natives, you know, um, it's, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely. Hey, um, let's see, Amber, what do you Yeah, think? Amber, please. But, but I, I, I agree with Kelly. Um, I agree with her 100. They are not represented um, to what can be the full extent. Uh, casting different racial for us is, I think, unacceptable. Um, it should really be indigenous people getting indigenous parts. Yeah, absolutely. Anthony, what do you think? Uh, I was thinking of when you say when people talk about like representation of natives in Hollywood I think of like like what everybody else has been saying like non-natives portraying native people like Iron Eyes Cody is like the first one that comes to mind that guy played a Native American in over like 200 films or like 100 TV shows uh, there was like a famous ad in the 70s apparently of like a crying Native American for like people littering I remember Dave Chappelle like referenced that in one of his stand-ups. Um, <clears throat> so it seemed like it was pretty impactful. And like this guy is portraying Native American chiefs and like Native Americans being like super environmentalists or uh, whatever his, his meaning was by that. When I mean, he, even if it is the case, he's not Native. So like, why why is he doing that? Because the dude is full-blooded Italian and was like wearing his like you know his uh, his 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 uh, braided wig and his chief hat and his feathers. He's wearing all that stuff on the daily to like take pictures and stuff and like become more famous and be in character all the time. Like like Rachel Dolezaling, like being native, you know, like he's saying he is every single day, even though his family's like, no, you're not. We're all Italian, even you. And like, I don't know, like that that is the cause for so much of our misrepresentation, not only in the media, but in Hollywood, because they become comfortable with allowing non-natives to portray native. Would they allow white people to portray black people in the film? Would they allow black people to portray white people in these films? Um, you know, it's, it's like that they don't care to have us represented. And I mean, are there enough of us to fight for proper representation? Or has like too much damage already been done to the industry and to our image? Yeah, thank you, man. Um, thank you for sharing. And uh, I think we got, did Amber go yet? Yes, I did. Oh, so Elizabeth? My answer was very, very short. Right. So I think we got Elizabeth left. Could you repeat the question, please? Yes. The question is, how do you feel about the representation of indigenous people in Hollywood and such movies such as Disney's Pocahontas and then Brother Bear, Moana, Dance with the Wolves? And do you feel that 
indigenous people should be casted as these characters, why or why not? Um, no, they should not. And we are not a monolith. Um, and every time they want to romanticize or exoticize us, um, it's very damaging. When you say they should not, you mean they should not cast characters unless they are indigenous or they shouldn't cast indigenous people for indigenous characters? They should not cast non-indigenous people okay. for indigenous roles. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. And just offhand, has anybody ever noticed like in certain places where they kind of, I want to say, like try to pay homage to the indigenous tribes and like maybe establishments that may be in different um, neighborhoods, different suburbs that may be majority white or something like I've been to universities and their restaurants and they always have like these pictures of indigenous people. And I'm like, do I just use indigenous peoples as caricatures? Like, have you ever noticed that? I don't, I don't know. I, or is it just me? Spot on. You spot on? Yeah, so there's, a, um, I think he's Navajo, uh, Frank Juan, who went to school in Chicago, and he has his two braids. He's on an elevator with another student, and she's like, why do you wear your hair like that? And he explained to her, her why he does that. Um, and I think her response was, I thought you all were dead. Whoa. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. 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 And it's like I even recognize it in flags. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 like a backhanded compliment. Like, oh, we're showing that you own the land, but you know, still, where's the where's the uh, democratized power? So, okay. Well, all right, uh, Claire, are you ready for the next question? Yep, I can definitely ask that. And actually, I'll tie it into another question that I was thinking in my mind while we were talking about, like, with the representations, but I'll save that for a different one. Um, so the next one, uh, let's direct this one actually to uh, Elizabeth. I feel the general population is unaware of the trauma, struggles, and challenges within our indigenous communities, such as native language restrictions, oppressions, economics, policing, and criminal justice. Um, please describe your view. Absolutely, and I actually um, fell victim to that distortion of history, and it really broke my spirit when I learned about the boarding residential schools. Um, yes. um, I've heard from elders who were uh, given mental health diagnoses for speaking their tribe's languages. Um, they were violently trying to think of the right word, um, dissuaded from cultural practices like having a, a thumbtack or a nail driven through a tongue. Um, there's a, one elder who, as a child, was raped so violently to the point of breaking her hip, and she still walks with a limp. Mm. Um, and that whole, like, Thanksgiving narrative, um, we have some peaceful brown people that helps the pilgrims out. It's just like, I don't know why America has such a hard time with telling the truth. Um, it's very upsetting, and I will flip that because this sounds pretty sad. <laughs> um, I'm just grateful that you're doing this podcast and having these conversations. I'm so grateful that there are huge movements for um language preservation, um, 
returning back to cultural practices, food harvesting, water sovereignty, um, and that our youth, like my daughters and Anthony and his younger brother and all of the dream seekers get to participate in um, these teachings and traditions because it was um, taken from us to kill the Indian and save the man under a religious pretext. Pretext? Pretext? That's an Anthony question, but I think it's pretext. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that. Wow, that is... Um as hard as that is to hear facts are friends and uh it is definitely good to as you say america i think the world but especially america needs to learn the difference between radical acceptance which is accepting reality as it is versus um how you feel about reality and as harsh as that reality you shared is it's good to know so we know where to go forward and knowing uh all the things that you described have happened. So um, thank you for sharing all of that and educating us. Thank you very much. And you're correct. There's a lot of movements happening right now where we're trying to give platforms and more um, amplifying people's voices, such as this podcast and other movements that exist. Like I've, he I've heard the phrase like decolonization in multitudes of different communities. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Anthony. Yeah, so um, I think that people really really don't know the half of like what Native Americans are going through today or what we've even been through. Um, we're talking about today, we're talking about having the highest suicide rate in the country, like by race, by far, like far above the, uh, the second highest, which is white people were like 1.5 times as many uh, Native Americans are killing themselves. Uh, we got them incarcerated over 38% above the national average. Uh, so people like to dwell on that fact that Native Americans make up 1% of the prison population, but don't consider how much of the U.S. population they make up or, you know, what that prison population actually looks like, <clears throat> especially when compared, compared to, like, our racial population. And then we got the way that it's taught in schools when they teach, like, Manifest Destiny and uh, Trail of Tears and the French Indian War. They teach it as, like, oh, you know, the white man came over and moved Native Americans all around the country and they don't really talk about any of the harsh realities of those displacements and depopulations. They don't talk about like the Thanksgiving where we're slaughtered after showing them how to farm and showing them how to live in this country or, you know, the conditions we're pushed into these reservations that aren't allowed to, you know, practice their lives and their laws the way they like to and are also put in terrible conditions as far as like the government assistance they get for their houses uh, and their schools. And then when you're talking about schools, talking about boarding schools and all the historical trauma that comes from that. So it's just like, man, they don't have, they don't know the half of it. The general public does not know or care to know the half of what we've been through. And that's a crying shame. And that fully explains why they treat us the way they do and continue to have messed up perceptions of us, uh, you know, regardless of, you know, how bad we try to show them that we deserve to be equal people as well. Absolutely. 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 Um, matter of fact, since you're from Detroit, um, could you expound upon randomly just a little bit about, I think it's called the Red Fox Indian Massacre, if I have that correct? Um, um, I'm actually not, I'm not educated enough on that to speak on it. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. It's just something I heard about that happened in Detroit and it was, it was a horrific massacre that happened. I think it was the French that did it. So, but we could say that for another day. 
Um, so uh, anybody else want to speak on this this topic here? Looks like we have Amber and Kelly left. Yeah. Um, unless Amber wanted to go. Amber, did you want to go? No, that's fine. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, you know, what, what has already been said, thank you, Anthony, and thank you, Elizabeth, um, beautifully put. I think you can dedicate a whole series to that topic alone, <laughs> you know, of, of historical trauma and, and intergenerational trauma that's carried within Native communities in America, you know. Um, I will speak on my experience, um, and because I don't speak for all Native folks, uh, a lot of what has affected my family um, is, is displacement, um, loss of language, loss of land. Um, and with that comes alcoholism, um, sexual violence, drug abuse, suicide, uh, and another issue that is barely coming to light but has been happening since uh, contact, first contact with Europeans is missing and murdered indigenous women, you know, um, and, and you know, the thing about it is that, like, as with many cultures around the world that have been colonized, like, we carry this in our DNA. We carry this in our in our memory, you know, in the ancestral memory that we have as indigenous people. We carry that. And, and I've been doing the work to recently to, like, look at that and, like, how can I face it? So, like, when we talk about trauma, ancestral trauma and all that, we also have to talk about resilience and what, how indigenous people today are, are resilient to what happened to them and how we're still coming together as communities, loving each other, reviving cultural practices and traditional practices, and also creating new ones too. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that I, I have struggled with my whole life because I, couldn't, I didn't understand it. Um, but now I have a better understanding of it, and instead of focusing on what on all of that, I focus on the resilience um, that that my ancestors have embedded in me, um, and the resilience of my people. Um, so I hope that helps. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, Kelly, and uh, Amber. I think you were the last one to to have something to say. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention uh, about the indigenous women going missing and murdered. Um, that's an issue that's becoming more aware to people. There's also an, uh, an issue in like the Dakotas where the Lakota people are getting their children taken by the state because they're worth more money in the state. And that's something, you know, not a lot of people talk about or listen to because they get more money with more indigenous children and these people are losing their language or losing their children, their children are, it's still happening and it's something that needs to stop because history is literally repeating itself in some states and it's sad to see. Absolutely and there's a lot of narratives that tends to be like left unchecked and all of your responses have really touched us because we really don't hear the, the voices of Native and Indigenous people enough, um, especially when it comes to curriculums in schools, which actually will lead us into the next question because we can expound upon this even farther. Um, yes. May I add something? Go ahead. This is Amber. 
Like, did you guys know that there was actually a candidate for presidency who was native? I was wondering if there was, because I remember in 2016 there was someone that ran that actually, I think, uh, may even got got significant votes in Hillary's uh, run for it. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm talking about. Like, not very, like, a lot of my friends didn't even know that there was a native person running. Like, you guys got to do your research. Look, see, just because, you know, you, you got to open your mind. Exactly. And I just wanted to dabble on that. <laughs> No, absolutely, and that's a good reminder for all of our listeners out there so that way they can be reminded, especially when it comes to, like, look, we had a native person running because oftentimes we get so swamped into something and the message gets lost and it's like, oh, there, there was? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, so, again, that leads us into our next question, which we can expand upon everyone's views, is describe your feelings regarding of how America teaches American history, more specifically regarding to the native communities. Yes, and, and, and I, I want to kind of piggyback off that question. Um, when it comes to American history and it comes to indigenous communities, is it specifically within what has been uh, established as the United States of America, or is it in the sense of all of North America and maybe even South America? Mm. Because uh, after watching John Lugie's almost um, Latin American history for effing morons, as well as learning things about the um, South Americas and, uh, you know, what existed. And I think it was like a thousand years of peace and the fact that there was a whole infrastructure that indigenous tribes have of trade trade and uh, uh, territory markers. Like how, you know, how do you all feel about American history? What is told? What is not told? Um, even, yeah, and, and I think we have something that will tie into our next question after that, so. Uh, let's start with Anthony. Yeah, um, I think I kind of touched on that in my last answer. Uh, I really, really don't like the way that they teach American history or Native American history in schools. Um, it really reduces what we've been through. It doesn't talk about the brutalization and violence that we face. And it kind of just makes people think that in that couple of years, it was just like some kind of migration and spread across the country into different reservations when really it's it's a lot deeper than that. I mean, it's is that and thousands of people dying on the way to those places and people refusing to go and being killed, um, you know, people being raped and murdered in the middle of that, uh, getting there and then being shipped off and shipped away to another kind of school or settlement. So, like, there, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Uh, these people want to uh, properly show their condolences for what they put the original settlers of this country through. Absolutely. Amber? Yes. Well, I lived in Kansas for a lot of my life, and they actually had a history lesson of the Louisiana Purchase. And they literally were, well, people from the east side were moved over here, and then, you know, white man found out that they had good soil, so they pushed them over there. That was literally all there was on indigenous. Wow. It's like they didn't go into anything. They just like, well, we moved them from one place to another place, and now they're moved somewhere else. That's mm -hmm. literally it, and it needs to be updated. There should be probably, I think there should be a whole course on nothing but indigenous lives and how it, everything was affected, you know, <laughs> trying to think of the right word. <laughs> Absolutely. 
but like it, it, they need to be taught better in school with what what happened with the indigenous lives, what's going on and still going on to this day. Absolutely, I completely agree. Elizabeth? There needs to definitely be an overhaul with um, coming from a place of, uh, what is the word, um, authenticity with the descendants of the people, people whose um, stories are dictated from the blood. Sorry, I'm getting a little poetic. But anyway, I just think that there needs to be a much more effective way to relay the information. Um, it makes me think of a couple of summers ago, maybe even last summer, I don't know anymore. Um, there was a mother who saw her child's history book where they called the enslaved people um, workers and that they were like happy. And how that passed any editor's desk with a green light is beyond me. That is very disturbing, and it's very interesting how like sim like just single words like that completely change the narrative. Completely. Yeah. And then like the also um, sidestepping the distinction between the federally recognized tribes, the state recognized tribes, why some have attained federal recognition, um, how the majority of 300 of the less than 600 tribes um, reside in Alaska, and the rest are throughout the other 48 um, Are states. you serious? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember... Are, um, wow. ...in Alaska. Wow, because I remember when the whole thing with Elizabeth Warren happened, um, and she kind of fell into the ploy of Donald Trump, which I will admit myself, um, that I think everyone who you know, may know the, a story in their family of indigenous blood and whatnot, we could all fall into. So I'm not gonna like sit and look down, but it's like how she handled it, um, how she apologized, I think could have been done better. Um, and then it became a whole thing about blood quantum and whatnot, which we can get into later. But one of the things I remember was the way that it happens where you're recognized as um, indigenous in this country, and I think you all mentioned it is like on the mother's side. It's like if your mother is Native American or indigenous, then you are because that's your earth, that's the path, that's your matter. And the the country, the 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 U.S. doesn't recognize everybody like that, even though that is how indigenous people do it. Or correct me if I'm wrong. I know there's some tribes that do it that. This is Amber. Sorry. I know mm -hmm. some tribes do it that way because in my discussions with. Um, in the groups that I'm in, um, some other tribes, they, they don't do it that way. They do it on the father's side. Hmm. So I think it's um, based on the tribal ways and such. Hmm. Okay, and uh, with this question, um, was there anyone left, Dan? Anyone that didn't get it to answer, Kelly? Um. So the, to answer your question about, uh, Amber kind of hit it on the head, it just depends on the tribe. Um, but I know that um, there are people that if you have both parents that are from the same place, like they'll take that, um, like blood quantum wise, if that answers that last question you had. 
Um, yes, you know, we were also talking about how you feel oh, yeah. the, uh, education is done yeah. in the Native America. Yeah. Yes, it's absolutely terrible. Can I cut? Yeah. It's fucking terrible. Um, and, <laughs> um, and I'm just, I'm just talking how my grandma would talk, right? It's terrible, you know, um, it's fucking terrible because what it is, is it's lies. And what they don't tell you too is about Hawaii and all of our brothers and sisters in Oceania. You know what I mean? That's, they also don't tell that too. So there's this there's this idea of, of um, colonialism, settler colonialism that, that we just don't talk about, that I don't learn, that I didn't really learn about until I went to college, you know? And for, you know, kids and, and students um, that are younger, like, they don't learn the truth, you know? Um, and so I, I think it's absolutely terrible. You know, I grew up in um, California, and many, many people do not know the truth about California and the missionization that happened in California to the California natives. Um, and so in fourth grade, you're supposed to make a mission. And I, my grandma and my dad kind of fought with each other about this uh, mission project because she didn't want me doing it, right? But could you elaborate on what a missionization is, what a, what a mission is? What, what, is, what is that? Yes, I would love to. So. Uh, the Catholic Church uh, established these church missions, um, and what they did is they took in Indians as enslaved people, um, and they made them work um, disease, um, all different kinds of stuff. And I can recommend a book to you folks uh, that will give you a better idea. But yeah, it, it's the way that the genocide in California of indigenous people happened through missionization. Um, and so many people do not know about that. And um, in California, when you're in fourth grade, you're supposed to build a mission. Um, in a way to um, see that you understand. I don't know why, but anyways, if you don't do it, you don't pass the fourth grade. So my mo so my father who and my grandma, who is his mom, fought with each other because my grandma's like, you should, she shouldn't do it. And my dad's like, well, if she doesn't do it, she's not gonna pass fourth grade. <laughs> like, so wait, 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 wait. They're gonna make you do a mission to understand their version of history of what they did to your people yeah. to basically make sure that you understand. Yeah. It's, it's like black people yeah. being shown their own terror to know their place. Yeah. It's, a okay. little, it's literally what some people on a certain side call children being brainwashed and indoctrinated. It's Correct. <laughs> Correct. And just to also add on to that, um, they're at uh, little crossroads uh, all throughout California. They have like a mission project thing. Like you can go into the craft store, buy like a fourth grade mission project deal, and all that. So we're doing this like the science fair project. Yes. Where you go and get yourself a science board. And get yourself the markers. Yes. Get you wow. And you're good. Yes, I promise you. So that just kind of goes to show, um, you know, the, the power and influence that education also has on on people, right? 
like about learning that the truth, you know, um, of what's what's happened in the lands and the territories that we all are on, you know. Um, I'm on um, West Maloney land right now where I'm at, and and the stories that I've heard from the folks that are here still, that are still here, that are not gone, are absolutely heartbreaking. You know, there are there are many natives buried under those missions. And, and then they're canonized and they're made to be this beautiful thing of California. No, they're not. There, there are dead bodies under there, you know? Um, so that's just a little bit of my thoughts. <laughs> wow. Um, if I could give a brief description, I brought up the Red Fox um, Indian, uh, Indian uh, massacre. It's in Detroit um, that I heard of. It's a little part in Detroit where there used to be a power plant. I think it's called Connors Creek, and um, I read about it, and it was about something very similar where I think the French, and they may have gotten another tribe to get in on it, and they basically just massacred Red Fox Indians here, and you know, in in, this, in that area, and uh, basically the bodies were never buried, and they were just the bones were just left there, and there's like a whole like living complex of houses and business just built on it and so it seems like that's a trend sadly yes yes and this kelly here and i just kind of add on that really quick yes it is it absolutely is and that's the same thing that's happening here where i'm at with the um shell mountains um the ohlone people uh would put the ancestors in shell mounds which were built above ground and so there are um, malls and movie theaters and all kinds of stuff that are built on top of these shell mounds, you know? I mean, this whole country is built on the remains of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And that's why, when we, that's why when we are fighting to protect land, like they're doing in Kumeyaay territory down in San Diego, Mexico area, it's because we are fighting for the desecration, for, the, for not desecrating our ancestors. You know, um, and and that's why it's so important to honor the land that we walk on and honor the land that we're on, um, even though it's very very settled and even though it's very very modern. Same thing with the pipelines, I take it as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The water aspect of it too, but yes, the desecration of ancestors, absolutely. Yes, and, and shout out to all those in North Carolina that got that victory. The black, the, um, the poor white farmers and the indigenous farmers down in North Carolina that stopped that one. They actually got a victory this past year, actually. So shout out to them. Absolutely. Um, if I can just add just a little bit, this is Amber. Um, there are, what I don't understand is like there are books out there that actually you know, tell about how indigenous people would come and slaughter people and take their women and, and but it doesn't explain why that happened. They just paint indigenous as these evil people when all in reality it was in retaliation to what happened to them. And I'm talking about uh, Canadian indigenous at this point. Um, I don't know too much about them, but I've, you know, read up on some things. Mm-hmm. But there's some books out there that just say that, well, they killed the white women, they killed all the men, and they stole women, they stole children to replace their children. Because their children died because of, sorry to say it, but because of the people that white, they got genocide. It's just, Mm -hmm. I don't know the right words, I'm sorry. 
No, no, okay. it's fine. Thank okay. you.